Good morning to those of you who are in the house with us this morning. Also want to extend a warm welcome to those of you who are uh, with us with our church online from wherever you may be watching this morning, whether you're in your living room or uh, bedroom or uh, wherever you might be watching from. It's great to have you uh, with us. You know, Jesus has been called uh, a lot of different things throughout history, right? Hasn't he? So he's been called everything from uh, a good man, a good teacher, a moral teacher. He's been called a, a prophet. Some have called him the son of God. Others have called him divine. He's also been called a lunatic and a madman. He's been called many, many different things throughout the course of history. But what did Jesus say about himself? That's really what we're trying to discover in this series called I Am as we uncover and unpack the seven I Am statements of Jesus found in John's gospel. And so if you have a, a, a Bible, either in print or, or perhaps on an app, a device, let me encourage you to go ahead and open that up now and head for John's Gospel, chapter 10. We're gonna spend most of our time there this morning. Now, if you come from a, a church background like I did, um, you probably are already familiar with at least the idea of God as shepherd. That's probably not foreign to you if you grew up in, in the church like I did. Um, the scriptures are replete with pictures of God as shepherd, right? Both Old Testament, New Testament, just kind of the scriptures paint that picture over and over again of who God is. But I think the danger for those of us who uh, live in modern times is the fact that most of us have never really been around this type of culture, like this farming culture, the shepherding culture. In fact, if, if I were to venture a guess, there'd be very few people in this room. Let's, let's, just, let's just check, let's do a little poll, show of hands. How many of you have ever actually met a real shepherd? Like that's what they do for their living, what they do for the life. How many people have actually met a real live shepherd? Okay, it's like one family, <laughs> you know, has met, uh, and then in the nine o'clock, we also had one person that had met a real shepherd. See, the vast majority of us have never even met a real shepherd. In fact, most of us have never really been around sheep very much, right? Maybe we see them as we kind of drive by or, or on a movie or something like that, but most of us are just kind of unfamiliar with this whole culture and world that Jesus is speaking into. And so for those of us who are followers of Jesus, uh, or even for those who are skeptics, and you, you maybe read a passage like the one that we're about to read from Christ, we can kind of just read over these statements from Jesus and, and almost just mentally check out, just kind of skip over them, right? It's kind of like, oh man, that's cute. Jesus is the good shepherd. All right, what's for, what's for dinner? You know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean a whole lot to us because we don't live in that farming of that aggregate society where we see shepherds, where we see sheep in our everyday lives. And so what, what I wanna do this morning is, is to attempt to, to try to help immerse us just a little bit into the ancient culture of Jesus's day so that we could see and understand just how profound and life-changing it really is that Jesus offers to be your good shepherd. In John, John chapter 10, by the time we get to this passage, the previous chapter, Jesus has just healed a blind man, right? Because he's Jesus. He's just always doing Jesus stuff like that. So he just heals this blind man. And now he turns and he's teaching uh, this group of people that includes both his disciples and also his, his critics, right? So he's speaking to doubters and he's speaking to believers probably not unlike today. If we were to just kind of take a poll of folks who are watching online, folks who are here in the room, there probably would be a mix of people who would say, yeah, I'm a believer, I'm all in with Jesus. And there are probably some other folks that'd be like, yeah, man, I just don't, I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus thing. And so I think 
Jesus is speaking to this crowd 2,000 years ago, yes, but I think he's also speaking to us today, those who are already believers as well as those who are perhaps skeptics. And so we'll start in verse 10 of chapter 10. Uh, this is Jesus teaching, right? And this is what he says. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now let's, let's pause there just for a minute. Now, how many of you know that we have an enemy? Come on, somebody. If you've been awake at all in 2020, do we have an enemy? We've got an enemy. In fact, for, for the good shepherd to be good, that necessarily means there are what? There are bad, there are bad shepherds, right? We, we have an enemy, and Jesus calls this enemy a thief. And this thief has one kind of three-pronged goal in your life, and that is to still kill and destroy you and everything that's good in your life. Anybody in here feel like you've been under attack this year in 2020? I got, I got my hand up. Well, that's because Jesus says, you are under attack. Jesus is actually saying, you've got a, you've got a vicious enemy. And, and if this were the end of the story, like if we were just to kind of stop right here in verse 10, that would be a really, really bad, really, really sad story, but it's not where it ends. I want you to look at the second half of verse 10, right? So Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but listen to this. I came that they may have life and have it what? Abundantly. I came that they may have life and they may have it in abundance. So Jesus is saying, yeah, there's, there's an enemy who wants to track you down and hunt you down and slaughter you and destroy you, but there is also one who has come to wage war and destroy your enemy so that you might have life and you might have it in abundance. Now, I don't know about you, but I want an abundant life. I want an abundant life. Man, I, I don't, I don't wanna just exist and get up and grind every day and, and, and go to work and, and just pay the bills for 50 or 60 years and then die. I want more than that. Man, I, I want real life. I wanna really live. I want all that Jesus has for me. I don't wanna miss out on any of it. And, and here's the good news. Jesus says, that's why I came. That's why I came. So here's the first thing I want you to highlight kind of before we move on. If you're a note taker, let me just underline this, highlight in your Bible, write it down. Here's number one. Jesus offers you abundant life. He offers you abundant life. Now that's really good news. Jesus didn't come just to give you a little bit of life. Jesus didn't come just to give you a little bit less miserable life than the one you're currently living. He came to give you an abundant life. More than you've ever dreamed of, better than you ever imagined, Jesus came to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Watch this, he kind of continues this theme in verse 11. He says, I, I am the good shepherd. Now again, he's, he's referring back, he uses that I am statement that harkens back to Exodus chapter three where God reveals his name to us as I am and Jesus is applying that divine name to himself here, which would have been staggering to his audience. He says, I am, I am God and I am your good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Now I had to go back and study um, this kind of shepherding culture because obviously I'm just not 
not familiar with it, haven't been around it my, my life very much. And um, as I understand it, as I went back and did some research, um, shepherds oftentimes are in the fields with their sheep for long periods of time. And um, shepherds, were act, shepherds are actually, even current day, um, shepherds are really tough dudes. Like, like shepherds have to be this incredible mix of gentle caretakers along with fearsome warriors, right? Because they're constantly fighting off thieves and wolves and bears and lions. And so I, I think a lot of us, if, again, especially if you're like me, you kind of grew up in the church, a lot of us have kind of grown up with this kind of caricature of a shepherd and what a shepherd is and what a shepherd looks like. And so let me throw up a picture of you, kind of the shepherds that I grew up seeing in the arts. And, uh, you know, I don't know that, that I love the arts. I think the arts have really done us a, a major disservice in how they've portrayed shepherds like this throughout history, uh, particularly Jesus as shepherd. As shepherd. And when I, when I look at these pictures, and this is what I grew up with. Like, so this is what a shepherd is, and this is kind of what they look like, and this is what they do. There, there's only one problem when I look at this picture of a shepherd for me. And maybe it's just a me problem, maybe it's a man problem, I don't know what it is. But that, I'm just telling, that, that's not a shepherd that I'm confident in following. Uh, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to war with that guy, because I kind of feel like if he falls down, he might break. I'm, I kind of feel like I might have to save him if something really goes down. Like, that, that's not a shepherd that I'm following. And so I thought, man, this, this, this can't be accurate based on my studies and all, all that these, these shepherds have to do. These guys are really blue collar, tough, tough guys. This can't be an accurate picture of this kind of Mother Teresa with a beard looking dude. That cannot be what shepherds are based on my research. And so I did some research and I looked up modern day shepherds and I wanna show you one of the coolest things I've ever found in my life. So, so this is a true story Real life, this is a shepherd in Mongolia today. All right, you see, you see his flock behind him? He's got a machine gun in one hand, and you know what that, that he's got a pet snow leopard to defend his sheep, all right? Machine gun, snow leopard. I love that shepherd. That's a shepherd I can follow. That's a shepherd that can protect, I don't have to protect that dude. He can protect me, right? And I think that is probably a more biblically accurate picture of what Jesus as shepherd is than the Mother Teresa with a beard looking dude, all right? I'm just telling you, that's a shepherd I can get behind. Machine gun, snow leopard, I'm following you, right? Who's gonna take his sheep? Who's first in line to try to steal one of that dude's sheep? Ain't nobody trying to take that dude's sheep, right? Shepherds were bad dudes. They were, they were gentle caretakers on the one hand, but they were also ferociously protective warriors of their sheep. And so they would be out with their sheep for long stretches of time doing battle with all kinds of thieves and bandits and wild animals. But when they would get back to a city, oftentimes, according to my research, they would hire someone called a, a gatekeeper, okay? Because they were, they've been out there for two months, they hadn't had a bath, they hadn't had a good night's sleep because they're always trying to protect their sheep, right? They're dirty, they're smelly, they're hungry, they're tired. And so they get to a city, they would hire a gatekeeper so they could go into the city, they could get a room, they could get a bath, they could get a warm meal, they could get a good night's rest. There was only one problem with these gatekeepers. You know what it was? The sheep didn't belong to them. And so as long as nobody came, as long as no thieves came, as long as no wolves came, everything was good. But the problem was that these gatekeepers, these hired hands, would a, when a thief would come or a, a group of bandits would come or a wolf would creep out of the woods, 
They, would, they wouldn't run towards the danger. They typically would run away from the danger. Why? Because they're not their sheep. They're not gonna put themselves on the line. They're not gonna sacrifice their safety or their lives for sheep that don't belong to them. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And if you think about it, it really kind of makes sense. Let me illustrate with a little more of a, a modern day example. I, uh, I love creation. Ever, ever since I've been a little kid, man, I just, I, I, I love getting out into the woods. I love hiking. I love mountains. I love waterfalls. I love beaches. I love flowers. I, I just, I love, I love creation. I love animals. I love creation. The older I get, I think the, the more I'm cognizant, the more I'm probably a little bit more aware that these, these things that I love so much are actually designed to point me, to point my heart, to point my heart's affections to the designer of all these things that I love so much. They're ultimately just shadows of something better or someone better. But I've always had a, a special place in my heart for, for dogs. I've just had a little dog when I was a kid and I've always kind of had dogs. I, I, I love dogs. Any, any dog lovers in the room besides me? A lot of good Christian folk in here this morning. I'm glad, glad to see that. Um, if you're a cat person, God, God probably loves you too. I mean, it's, it's possible in, in theory that he, he loves you as well. But I, I'm just telling you, I love dogs, right? I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it, not embarrassed of it. I love dogs. I'm a, I'm a dog person. I make no apology. In fact, I, I'd like you to see my dog. This is a picture of my dog, Piper. And she, uh, she's a sweet dog, man. She is a sweet dog. We rescued Piper a few years ago. Somebody had just abandoned her uh, on the side of the road in Greenville, South Carolina. And we got her and she was sick and full of worms. And, uh, she wasn't in, in, in good shape, but we nursed her back to health and, and now she's just the sweetest little dog. She's great with our kids and uh, I love wrestling with her. And uh, that's my girl, Piper, I love her. And um, so just imagine they, they, they just built close to my house a, a dog park, okay? So, so imagine one day that, that I was sitting at this dog park with, with Piper and imagine that some random dude just kind of comes up behind me. He's got a little chihuahua in his hands and he just kind of sits the chihuahua down in my lap and, and throws $20 in my lap and says, hey, you, you watch, watch my dog for just a few minutes. And as he's running away, I'm like, hey, no, 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 I don't wanna watch your, and he's gone, okay? And suppose as I'm sitting there holding this random little chihuahua and this dude's $20 bill that I see a massive wolf, gray wolf emerge from the woods. And he's got his eyes locked in on that little chihuahua snack. He's foaming at the mouth. And he starts picking up from a trot into a sprint towards me. Look, I'm just telling you, I'm lobbing that chihuahua at the, at the wolf. Now, maybe as I run, I'm like, hey, hey, wolf, you stop it, you bad wolf. I, I might scream at the wolf. I'm telling you, I'm not sacrificing my life for some dude's little chihuahua that I didn't even watch to begin with. Now, but, but now if it's Piper, right, that that wolf is running toward, now look, I'm telling you, I, I would be looking for a brick or a rock or a boulder or a stick or something to crush that nasty wolf's skull in, I would even place myself in danger. Why? Because Piper's my dog. She's mine. She belongs to me, man. That's my home girl, right? I laid with her in the floor of my living room when she was a puppy and she was too sick to sleep by herself and she was scared and I raised her and I got a scar where we were wrestling and she cut open my eye and I needed to go get a stick. We got, man, we got history. That's my girl, that's my dog. Don't mess with my dog, All right? We go way back and I just wanna say to you, listen, Jesus loves his sheep way more than I will ever, ever love my dog. And so here's the second truth that I want you to see this morning. Number two, and hear this, don't, don't just glaze over this. This is deep, this is profound. Je listen, 
Jesus's sheep belong to him. His sheep belong to him. He is not a hired hand. If you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, if you love him, I want you to know you belong to him. Your life doesn't belong to you anymore. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 says this to these these believers. He says, you are not your own. You were bought, you were purchased with a price. Now, in our culture of just kind of unrestricted individuality, we can kind of hear that idea of we belong to someone else. We can kind of bristle against that whole idea, can't we? Like, man, I I don't wanna belong to someone else. Like, oh, gross. I don't wanna belong to anybody. I'm the captain of my ship. I'm the captain of my own death. I don't wanna belong to anybody. Why would you say that? That's gross. But listen, when you really love someone and you trust them deeply, that whole idea really begins to melt away. Uh, Cheryl and I, my my wife, we've been married for 17 years next month. And um, I know it's hard for you to believe that someone as young and as attractive as me has been married for 17 years, but it's true. Got married when we were 13. And so um, 17 years. And listen, I'm I'm not ashamed to say I belong to her. There are a lot of women in the world, but I made a covenant to her and to God all those years ago that as long as we were both alive, I belong to her. And I'm happy with that. I'm secure in that arrangement. <laughs> that, that doesn't diminish who I am as a person. In fact, if anything, it, it probably frees me up to really become who I'm designed to be because I'm not trying to impress anybody anymore. I'm not trying to gain anybody's love. I'm already loved and secure. And so it is with those of us who are in the sheepfold of Christ. We belong to him and believer, I want you to hear me say this. There is, there is nothing that can rip you from his grip. There's nothing that can rip you from his grip. There's no valley that's too deep or too dark. There's no sin that you've committed in the past or that you're even currently engaging in right now that could cause the good shepherd to turn his face away from his sheep. You belong to him forever and ever. There's this really amazing parable um, that Jesus tells in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel about this, about this shepherd who has, you guys are maybe familiar with it, the shepherd that has 100 sheep. And this shepherd loses only one of his 100 sheep. And so conventional wisdom would say, you cut your losses. Any business person would tell you, you lose 1%, you cut your losses and you move on. You live to fight another day. Any shepherd in those days would tell you, man, that's, that's unfortunate, lost the sheep, but I would never leave the 99 to go find the one. That, that wouldn't even make any financial sense at all. I would never do that. But Jesus tells this really radical parable of a shepherd who actually leaves the 99, which makes no sense from an earthly perspective to go and pursue and find that one sheep that is lost and has wandered off. Why? Because it's his sheep. And in the parable, when the shepherd, which represents Jesus, finds the sheep, He rescues it, and he brings it home, and then he throws a party. He gathers his friends together, and they celebrate that he has found the sheep that was lost. And Jesus is saying to us in this passage, I am that shepherd. I am that shepherd. And I don't know, maybe you're here, maybe you're watching with us with Church Online, 
and maybe you're that one sheep that he's after right now. I don't know, maybe that's why you're here, maybe that's why you're watching right now online because God, as good shepherd, has left the 99 and he's pursuing you. And he's coming hard after you. And I don't know about you, but that, to me that is the best news in the world. That listen, we have a savior who pursues us. Let me say that again. We have a, we have a savior that pursues us. Like, let that sink in for a moment. I don't know you, but, but, but I, I know my own heart. I know who I am apart from Jesus. I know how jacked up, I know how messed up I am apart from him. And so you're telling me that the Son of God, God wrapped in human flesh, he leaves the fold to pursue me because he loves me so much. Like, are you, are you kidding me? How could I not give my life to the shepherd? How could I not follow him all of my days? And Jesus continues on, he's not done yet. Look at verse 14. He says the same, the same thing again. He says, I, listen, guys, I want, you, I want you to hear me say this just in case you missed it. I am the good shepherd. I am your good shepherd. And then he says, I know my own. And my own, they know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. In other words, listen, this is not just lip service. I don't just say that I love my sheep and they belong to me. I'm gonna put my money where my mouth, I'm gonna put my life where my mouth is. I'm gonna sacrifice myself to make sure that I can bring them home because they're my sheep. And I love them enough that I'm gonna lay down my life to pursue them. So here's the third truth, church family, that I want you to see. Number three, Jesus knows his sheep and his sheep know him. And what I think Jesus is kind of punching at right here is that there's this unmistakable relational connection between a good shepherd and his sheep. There's this relational connection, this bond that cannot be broken. Meaning that Jesus is not about you being religious. If you're new to church, that might come as a surprise that a pastor would sit on the stage and say that. Jesus doesn't really give a rip about your religion. Jesus is not even really about you being a rule keeper or being a moral person, or being a good person according to the world's standards. According to his own teaching, what he's about is knowing and being known by his sheep. It's relationship. Dallas, Dallas Willard, a famous American philosopher, once famously said this, I'll put it on the screen for you. Willard said, the Lord is my shepherd is written on many more tombstones than lives. How true that is, listen friend. Just because you grew up in a Christian home, just because you grew up in church or going to youth group or whatever it is, just because you're a good moral person, you don't kick dogs and you recycle, doesn't mean that you know the shepherd and it doesn't mean that he knows you. It's been said that there are no spiritual grandchildren in God's kingdom, which means just because your parents knew and loved Jesus, just because your grandparents knew and loved Jesus, just because your uncle was a pastor, doesn't mean that you're in. Everybody has to make their own personal decision about where they're gonna place their allegiance and which shepherd they're going to follow with their lives. You don't get in based on anybody else, your parents included. 
You've gotta make that decision whether you're gonna give your life to the good shepherd or not. And so let me just say, if you're here with us, either online or in the room, and you don't know the good shepherd, like you would just have to be honest enough to say, nah, man, I grew up in church, know some stuff, know some stats, know some facts, but I don't know the good shepherd. And I'm pretty convinced he wouldn't know me. There's no relational vitality between you and your creator. If there's not this excitement, you wake up in the morning, you go to bed tonight, think, man, I wanna meet with the good shepherd. I can't wait to spend time with him, to learn more about him and to pray. And I know he hears my prayers and he's gonna respond and I'm gonna dive into his word and he's got a mission for me today. If there's none of that, you've never experienced that in your life, let me just encourage you, let's, let's talk. There'll be some folks up here a few minutes after the service. If you're online, there should be a chat host. Whatever platform you happen to be watching on, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to know and follow the good shepherd. Because listen, I want you to know, Jesus has so much more for you than just being a religious person or a churchgoer or a good person or a moral person. He wants you to have life and he wants you to have it abundantly. He continues in verse 16, he says, and I have, this is cool, he says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. Now, this is incredible. Jesus is saying, I've got other sheep out there. They're not, they're not a part of the family yet. They're not, they're not in the fold yet, but I'm telling you, I'm going after them. This is great news this morning because Jesus is saying, I am still gathering sheep. I'm still in the business of pursuing sheep. Now, how many of you would, would have to say, whether you're online, in the room, how many of you would have to say that you have somebody in your life, and maybe, maybe God's just gonna bring their, their face to your mind right now, their name to your mind right now. How many of you would say, I have someone who's a friend. I have someone who's part of my family. I have a neighbor, I have a classmate, I have a coworker who's currently far from God. How many would have to say that? I've got my hand up and here's the good news. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm still gathering sheep. I'm still gathering sheep. I'm still pursuing those who are outside of my fold. And so here's what that means practically for you, believer. Don't give up. Don't give up, and I'm guessing there's some of you out there who have given up. You just said, man, it's been years, it's been decades, I've been praying to, the, to God about this person in my life, and I've been begging, and I've been talking to him, and it just seems like their heart is stone cold, and I'm guessing some of you have given up. But what I think Jesus is saying here is, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop pursuing. Don't stop investing. Don't stop loving. Don't stop inviting, don't stop sharing because I'm still gathering my sheep. Church, he is not done yet. And so there's hope. And here's what this also means practically, and this is truth number four this morning. Number four, the shepherd's vision becomes the sheep's mission. The shepherd's vision becomes his sheep's Mission. In fact, in Luke's gospel, Jesus says, I came to seek and to save the lost. Some people have said that's Jesus' personal mission statement. I came 
to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what the good shepherd has on his heart and his mind. So if you're wondering, man, what, what is Jesus thinking about right now? What is he about right now? What is he doing throughout the time and course of human history? What is he doing in the present? That's what, that's what is on his heart and his mind. And so for those of us who are already a part of his fold, this becomes our manifesto in life. This is why we exist. This is our mission as his sheep of the good shepherd. That's why our mission statement as a church is helping people find and follow Jesus. Why? That's what our good shepherd is about. And so as his sheep, as his disciples, that's what our lives have to become about as well. There's this incredible Davidic Psalm in your Bible. It's probably, in my opinion, probably the most beautiful, compelling picture that's ever been painted of God as shepherd. And we're gonna finish our time there. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there, Psalm 23. A lot of you probably familiar with it. It's a passage that uh, some of you may even have uh, on, a, on a t-shirt or, or a coffee cup. It's kind of one of those common things. But I want you to understand as we kind of go through it, um, it was never, as, as King David wrote this, it was never intended to be a trite or cute coffee cup t-shirt platitude. This, this, was, this was King David's battle cry through some of the most difficult seasons of, of his life. And so I think what we're gonna see as we look at this short Psalm, just a few verses, Psalm 23, I think King David gives us four things about God as shepherd that I hope are gonna be an encouragement to you as you leave this place, as you head into a, a brand new week. So we're just gonna start and kind of break it down together. So Psalm 23, starting in verse one, this is what King David writes. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now understand, this is, this is the guy who became the most powerful king of his time, right? most powerful king of his day, still considered to this day, maybe, maybe one of the best rulers in human history based on all that he accomplished, how he expanded the kingdom of Israel, how he led wisely. He's king of the whole world and he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my good shepherd. He's using the same kind of verbiage and terminology that Jesus uses for himself. And then watch what he says. He says, I shall not want that's the first thing I think we see about the good shepherd is that a good shepherd provides for a sheep. That's number one. The good shepherd provides for a sheep. Watch, he continues in verse two. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. In this context, that means food. That means provision. And then he says, he leads me beside still waters. It's the idea of our, of our needs, the, our daily needs in life. And David is saying, the good shepherd is our, is our provider. Listen, faith family, he is all that you need. He is all that you need. And the good shepherd delights in providing for you. I think some of us have this, this kind of twisted idea, and I don't know where we got it. I think I've probably struggled with this idea of God as well, but we have this kind of idea in our minds that it's like we come to God and we have a need, we wanna to talk to him, and we wanna ask him, and God's just kind of like this really reluctant God in heaven, right? It's like, oh God, not Chris again man, I just took care of your rent last month, man. Why are you coming back again? I took care of your health when you prayed for that three years ago. Can't you see I'm a busy man? I'm the God of the universe. Why are you coming back to me again? I think we have this idea that he's a reluctant God. But that is not at all the picture that the scriptures paint of a good father or this good shepherd. He delights in providing for his sheep. He's not a hired hand. 
you know Jesus, you belong to him and he loves you more than you've ever known. He's not gonna let his sheep starve. And if you'll let him, he will lead you to pastures, rivers of provision. How many of us could stand up here? We'd be up here for hours and hours. Could stand up here and tell story after story and time after time where things seemed hopeless and things seemed lost and God showed up. I could be up here for a couple hours just by myself before I even let the first person up here. We'd be here all day, be here all night, be here until tomorrow. Just telling the stories of just the people in this room, the times that God has shown up, shown out, provided for his sheep because he loves us. He is our provider, David says. He's our good shepherd. Verse three, listen. He says, and he restores my soul. Anybody in need of a little restoration? Restoration of the, the soul? The heart, any weary hearts in the room? 2020, David says, look to the good shepherd. He's the only one who can restore your soul. And then watch what he says, he, he leads me. This is the word for, for, for guide or direct. He guides me. He directs me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so the second thing I think we see here, the good shepherd not only provides for his sheep, the good shepherd guides his sheep. I don't know about you, but for me, that's really good news that we don't have to just drift aimlessly through life wondering what God's plan is for us, wondering what's right, what's wrong, how do I do this, how do I do that? We have a shepherd who is willing to guide us and direct us. Man, I need wisdom. Probably this year more than I've ever needed it. And I need guidance in these turbulent times. I do, I know I do. And David says, the one who can do that for you, he's the good shepherd. And he guides us through his word, guides us through his spirit, guides us through other believers that God places in our lives. We're not orphans, friends. We're his sheep, we're his children. We belong to him. He promises to provide for us, to guide us. And then look at verse four. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your translation say, may say the dark valley, even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil. David, how can you say that? How can you say that you would fear no evil? He tells us, for you, my good shepherd, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, a lot of people, again, it's a cultural thing. We kind of we kind of miss this entirely. We kind of read over it like, oh, that's cute, cute little shepherd. <laughs> Let's move on with life. What David is saying here is actually that not only does a good shepherd provide for his sheep, not only does he guide his sheep, he actually corrects his sheep as well. And nobody wants this one, right? We, we want all the other ones. God, give me, your, give me your blessing, give me your provision. <laughs> guide me in life so I know how to have success in life. Correct? Oh, I don't know about that, I don't know about all of that. And see, shepherds had a staff. If you ever seen a shepherd's staff, it had a, they have, a, they have a hook on the end of them. You know what shepherds use those hooks for? When a sheep or a lamb begins to wander, they get too close to a cliff, they get too close to a river where they could fall in and drown. The shepherd will take his staff and he'll grab that hook 
They'll put it around their neck and he will yank them back. I can tell you, if you're a little lamb, that's not pleasant. In fact, it, it probably hurts at times. It's probably a bit shocking. Maybe give them a little temporary whiplash. No, no, maybe, maybe there's some of you out there right now who are experiencing a little bit of spiritual whiplash. Right, because you're living in rebellion. You're wandering into dangerous pastures and you're being corrected because you have a good shepherd and you belong to him and he loves you enough to correct you and discipline you for your good. And again, it's not pleasant. Oftentimes, in fact, it's very painful, but the good shepherd's correction always leads to life instead of destruction. I want you to listen to the words of, of Job. Job is a character in the Old Testament. And by the way, I know many of you have suffered um, a lot this year. I'm getting ready to do a funeral for a little infant boy in a couple hours right, 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 right after this service is over. So I know there are many in our body who have suffered greatly in 2020. Many of you probably have suffered greatly. If you're ever feeling discouraged, go read Job, all right? Yeah, I'm telling you, I probably, you got nothing on that brother. What he, went, what he went through. But I, I want you to hear some of, some of his words in, in Job chapter five. This is what Job writes. He says, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. Friend, I just want you to know God's correction always leads to life. Friend, don't despise the hand that hurts in order to heal. I just wanna say that the reality is if you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you can just kind of live in unchecked rebellion against God, just kind of rebellion against him and a life pattern of sin and for an ex extended period of weeks, months, even years and no correction comes, that's when you need to get worried. Like if you, if you can just kind of rebel against God and go buck wild and no correction ever comes, that's, that's when you ought to kind of freak out just a little bit. Because God promises that his sheep belong to him and he will bring back and he will correct those who belong to him. So the good shepherd provides, guides, corrects. There's one other thing, look at verse five. David writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love that. I'm gonna feast right in front of my enemies because there's nothing they can do because the good shepherd is right beside me. You prepare a table before me, the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, sign of abundance. My cup overflows. I have more than I need. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I think the last thing David is showing us here is that the good shepherd protects his sheep. Believer, we are secure in Jesus. God allows us to feast in the presence of our enemies. And he's saying that our dwelling will be in his house under the shadow of his wings in this life and in eternity forever and ever and ever. Church, how good is our God? How good is our God? There is, 
There is none like him. He is incomparable, he is indescribable. He stands alone as the good shepherd, as the best shepherd. So we'll wrap up with just, just this one question. I wanna ask you, do you know the good shepherd? Do you know the good shepherd? I mean, I mean, really, really know him. I'm not talking about, do you know some facts about him or you read the Bible or you heard a sermon or it's irrelevant. Do you really know the good shepherd? Maybe the better question is, does the good shepherd know you? Does he know you? Because he says he leaves the 99 to chase the one. Maybe you're here in the room, maybe you're with us, church online. And maybe, just maybe, you're the one he's chasing this morning. So I just wanna say to you that if you don't know the good shepherd, that if you would have to just confess in the silence of your own heart and mind, like, yeah, I don't have that, man. What King David is describing in Psalm 23, what Jesus is talking about, man, I, I, I don't have that vibrant, life-giving, relational connection with my creator through Jesus Christ. I want you to know that today can be the day that changes the rest of your days. And so if you're with us this morning and you're, you're kind of rolling that over in your mind, like, man, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think I have that. And I, I don't even know if I wanna admit that, man, because my family, my family has believed I've been a Christian for the last 15 or 20 years. And it's gonna be really embarrassing for me to have to admit that I was just playing games or I was deceived. I don't even, listen, put all of that aside. This is the most important thing you will ever encounter in your life. And so if you would say, in your, in your heart, like, I, I know, I know I need this. God, I know I need the good shepherd. I know I need his provision and I need his wisdom and I need his God. I even, God, I even want your correction. I need your protection. I want the good shepherd to be the shepherd of my life. That's you and you're with us online or in person. I just encourage you to bow your heads for a moment and pray this prayer with me. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. I confess, God, you are, you are the only one that I need. And I want to belong to you. I want to know you as my good shepherd. I don't wanna just know about you, Jesus. I wanna know you. I want you to guide me and I want you to protect me and I want you to correct me and I want you to do all of those things that you've promised to do for your sheep. God, like I don't have that and I want that and I need that. I know I need that now more than ever. I realize I need you as my good shepherd. And so God, right now, the best way I know how, I'm just gonna turn away from living life my way and I give my life to you. I don't even know what that means entirely, but I know I want you, whatever that takes. I wanna follow you, be my good shepherd. And if you're here this morning and you're already a Christian, the one question for you is this, are you being led by the good shepherd? Are you being led by the good shepherd? Because here's what I found to be true over the course of my lifetime, even sheep of the flock wander and drift into dangerous spaces. Believer, have you drifted? Have you wandered into pastures of fear and anxiety that God never intended you to walk into? Have you drifted into the pastures of patterns of sin that are slowly killing you? If that's you, friend, believer, 
Let me just beg you, turn back to the good shepherd. He awaits with open arms. Let him guide you to green pastures and still waters. Friend, the abundant life that you seek is only found in following Jesus, the good shepherd. Let's pray, then we'll sing. Father, our confession this morning would have to be that we, we need you, God. My confession personally is that I, I need you. Father, we are sheep. Always wondering, always drifting, always getting ourselves into trouble. Father, we need a shepherd. We need a savior. So we thank you for sending the good shepherd. We thank you for sending Jesus, the ferocious lover and pursuer of our hearts and our souls. The king who leaves the 99 to chase after the one. God, would you help each person that's watching this or here in the room, God, would you help each person take one step of obedience this morning, whatever that looks like, God. Pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to reveal whatever that is for each person they need to do to follow the good shepherd, God, and then I pray they would be obedient, that they would make that commitment before they leave, before they sign off, that commitment to obey whatever it is that you're telling them to do, no matter how hard it is, no matter what it's going to cost, they would make that commitment and take a step towards the good shepherd. This morning, we ask and we pray all of it in the beautiful and strong name of Jesus.